0: This is episode 10 of Old Man Yells, and I'm Bob Burnett from Barefoot Mining. Today, what I wanna do is primarily dive in to the public mining sector. Uh, This is kind of part two of a three-part series uh, covering this this topic. In episode one, if you haven't listened to it, I, I covered specifically Core Scientific. Today, I'm not gonna go so much into individual companies, but look at kind of the sector as a whole. Uh, which I think is in trouble, and I want to put some things in perspective. So to start with, I think we have to look at, when we look at mining as a whole, What what's the opportunity? Well, in 2023, if we do all the math, the entire market, global market, whether you're public, private, individual, miner, whatever, will be about $8.7 billion dollars. So that's a total available market that we're all chasing. The public mining companies, uh, we'll go into this in a little more detail, they they make up about 25% of that total market. I think to a lot of people who maybe are, are less familiar with uh, some of these, uh, the size of different businesses, Um, and if you live in the Bitcoin world, Uh, You might think that this is a very large market, but in reality, it's an extremely small market. Uh, To put that in context, uh, as many of you probably know, I I spent time in the personal computer industry most of my career there, uh, primarily working for a company called Gateway. Gateway alone, which was, oh, I think we reached our peak at about number five in the world in personal computer production. Uh, We peaked at 9 Point six billion billion in revenue, about a billion dollars in profit, and 25,000 employees. This would have been in the late 90s. So you could put some inflation factors in for that and probably add 25 to 30% to both the profit and the the, uh, revenue numbers to kind of put that in perspective, meaning that my company alone as kind of a number five in the world... PC company was significantly larger than the entire Bitcoin mining industry. Now, that could change over time, but the reason I bring this up is we're in a very, very early immature stage in this industry, and one of the expectations of an industry like that should be a lot of turnover in the major players. That was true in the early personal computer industry. It was true in the early days of the internet. I think when you look at any industry development, uh, cell phones is another example, you'll find that the early players aren't necessarily the long-term players. In fact, sometimes being too early is actually a disadvantage. Um, But regardless, I wanna kind of go in today to kind of the state of the public mining market as a whole. I'm not here today to attack specific companies. Uh, I'm also not here to give you advice about what to do financially. Uh, but I do think that a lot of times people make investments without really digging in deeply into the companies and into the sectors that they are uh, pursuing. And so this is one where maybe I can shed some light about you know where we sit today. So, as I mentioned, total the total market for Bitcoin mining is about $8.7 billion. And if we look at what's coming up with the halving, um, we, have, we have an event that will have a material impact on the way that that will be calculated. The other thing that has a material impact for miners are fees, or at least it could have a material impact on fees. So... Um, we have the having, which controls the subsidy. We have the fees, and then we have the price of Bitcoin. So if we look at a couple situations, we have kind of on the on the low side, we have a situation where, if we have the same fee market as we have today, and let's say Bitcoin only goes to stays in this twenty-five to thirty thousand dollar range, then the entire public mining sector, not the public mining sector, the entire mining sector will shrink from that $8.7 billion to about $7 billion in 2024. Now, if, it, if we uh, look at 2025 and, and we have kind of the same thing happen, then the market shrinks to five and a half billion. Um, Because we are going to have about uh, four months uh, next year where the subsidy is six and a quarter Bitcoin, and then it drops to 3.125. So that's the impact of that. So we have a case scenario. I don't think it's the likely scenario, but it's certainly not a a non-zero possibility that we shrink from 8.7 billion to 5.5 billion over the course of the next two years. Unlikely, but possible. If Bitcoin goes to 60,000, it returns into that neighborhood of its all time high, and the fees are the same, then the industry will grow to about 14 billion next year. And uh, obviously, that would be very positive uh, on the whole. That would make the industry growth about 60%. And then in 2022, if we, let's say, hit a $100,000 Bitcoin and we see some fee growth, maybe we could hit 20 billion. But I just put this in perspective just to kind of give you some parameters about what the size of this market is and uh, how big it might be. Now there's, as, as some of you may know, it's really impossible to completely calculate the size of the Bitcoin network And we're dependent on accurate reporting from the public miners about how big they actually are and what their uptimes are. But I think it's fair to say from using various metrics that uh, the public miners sit in the neighborhood of 100 exahashes of uh, hash power right now and the total network sits around 400 exahashes, meaning that they compromise roughly 25% of the total market. So if we use those numbers, you know, I think what we'll see is that the total available market to the public miners would be, it's going to be about uh, $2.2 billion this year, uh, next year, it could be between two and four billion. And in 2025, from one and a half to five billion, obviously, with the high and the low end ranges getting bigger based on uh, the uncertainty over that period. Now, if they happen to grow, I would say the top side, just put it, put maybe like the, the, the real high end top side is if we saw a situation where the miners leapt to about 40% of the total hash rate. And Bitcoin hit 125, and we saw some appreciable growth in fees, then maybe $11 billion. Now, that's probably a pipe dream, but just to kind of put that into context. Still, on the whole, if you go back to what I talked about before, even in this best case scenario in the year 2025, it puts the entire market still in present dollar terms, smaller than my old company. So uh, that doesn't mean it's insignificant. Um, It just means that it's very immature and that it's still a pretty small, small opportunity. Now, um, there's some great work out there. Um, the folks at Luxor do a lot of great analysis work. Um, there's a guy on YouTube uh, named Sebastian. Uh, his channel is sebastian o n on YouTube. He does some great work uh, analyzing the public miners. Um, I would encourage you to maybe look at one of his recent videos on the break even cost of uh, Bitcoin production uh at the various public miners. There are a variety of different ways in which that calculation can get made, and I think the different miners, and I understand it, kind of calculate it from different perspectives, probably to make themselves look better. Uh, Certainly, everybody has a tendency to do that sort of thing. But the truth of the matter is that right now, um, the performance of the public mining companies is really quite poor. If we look at where they sit, um, and again, I'm not picking on specific companies, but I'll just point out first half performance for a couple of them, I'm just stating fact. Um, Riot, half one of 2023, lost $83 million. Marathon, half one of 2023, lost $28 million. Spark half one, lost $61 million. Uh, Terra Wolf first half lost forty-four million. So if we just look at like those four companies alone, and and uh, they they lost two hundred million dollars plus collectively. And I would say if you go in and you look at the, the financials of the rest of them, you'll see that uh, this is probably the best of the bunch for the most part. Um, it's been a really rough year. And, you know, I can say I'm a private miner. We do not disclose our financials. Um, uh, I'll say that it's been a hard year. It's been a very hard year. The the uh, private companies, you know, we essentially have to, or f- forced into being in a uh, profitable cash flow position, uh, unless you're a company that has massive po- deep pockets. Uh, so I would say, you know we've we've performed much much better than the public miners on a on a comparison basis although we're much much smaller i'll also say that if you look at these companies you know what you'll see is that they made a lot of bets late 21 early 2022 on bitcoin's price going up and if, if you need details of some of those, uh, especially go back and, and listen to the uh, previous podcast uh, of, of Old Man Yells on, on uh, Core Scientific, where you see the complete screw up that they had in that situation. Well, I think these other miners did better on a relative basis, but still pretty poorly. Lots of overinvestment, lots of uh, overpaying for mining machines, uh, lots of bets on price appreciation that didn't happen without downside protection a lot of that sort of stuff that was in place that that you know puts them all in pretty precarious positions right now I'd say when you look at the financial positions of these companies um, I would encourage you to look at their recent P&L statements and then look Look at their cash positions, look at their debt obligations, look at some of those sort of things, and you'll see a a pretty scary tale. Now, under normal circumstances in a normal market, what you would expect to happen is, for instance, back in the personal computer market, is you would see a fight for customers. You would see an attempt to grow the total available market You'd see battles from one company to another to win customers, uh, maybe steal customers. But none of those things apply to the Bitcoin market, interestingly, right? The the total available market is dictated by the network protocol. Uh, and the main factor in success, right now at least, which is the Bitcoin price, is is completely outside the control of anybody in the industry. So I think it's important now to look at, with the halving coming up, we're now seven months from the halving, that there's a a couple different ways that this could play out. The first one is, if Bitcoin stays in this range from 25,000 to 40,000, or we'll maybe more simply say less than 40,000, in the public mining sector, there is going to be a bloodbath. You'll See massive, massive fallout. Um, I don't know any other way to uh, sugarcoat it. There's, it, it's, it's not going to be pretty. If we see a price between forty and let's say fifty-five, I think we're still going to lose several of the public miners. Now, by losing them, it could be a bankruptcy, it could be a a fire sale of assets, or an acquisition that occurs at, you know, greatly reduced prices, and then kind of a pairing out of the assets there. Uh, There will be a struggle for all public miners, Um, there'll be massive strain, uh, and just like we would in the previous situation, we're going to see a huge contraction of hash rate. I think my personal guess is, you know, if if we're in that forty to fifty-five thousand dollar range for the price of Bitcoin come April, that in the subsequent couple months we'll lose twenty-five percent or so of the hash rate. If we're sub forty, we may lose forty to fifty percent of the hash rate. If when we get to the halving, we've got a price that's in that fifty-five dollars to, let's say, $70,000 range, which would you know bring us back into that rough range of the all-time high, I think we will lose a, a couple companies. Um, we'll have maybe a small retracement briefly in the hash rate and probably a stalling of investment in future hash rate, at least for a little while. And then if we hit the 70 plus, well, then we're going to have prosperity. If price is 70,000 plus, we're going to have prosperity. We're going to lose a little bit of hash rate, but it, it you almost won't notice it because the investments in new hash rate will will sit right on top of it and overtake it. Um, that's That's the rose-colored glasses scenario in that we have a lot of winners the public mining companies go from losing money to making money, and uh, I think there would be obviously a, a massive amount of relief from from the people within that that sector. That said, for that to occur in the next seven months, uh, we're essentially talking about a tripling of the price in that time period and That's not a very likely scenario. And that's really the only scenario in which the public mining companies do really well. I've often wondered, I I wanna say first and foremost, I have no investments in public miners. I have no plans to do investments in public miners. Um, I do not wish ill on anybody that has an investment in a public miner. That said, I believe that to date, A lot of the people that have invested in the public miners have done so under the belief that it's some sort of a proxy for an investment in Bitcoin itself. But I don't think that that's true. I think there are so many factors that play into the success or failure of a miner that it puts a mining company outside that sphere of being a proxy. I realize that to date, there haven't been a lot of places. If you're you're in a position where you only wanna invest through a public market, or maybe you've got some sort of qualified plan that doesn't allow you to do private investments, maybe your only options have been these public miners and, Maybe the grayscale ETF. So that's the only place you've you've had to put your money. But again, this is not a proxy for Bitcoin. It's maybe an ancillary investment in it, but it's very dependent on several other things. You know, one is, hey, where is where is the equipment? You know, is is this the latest and greatest? it's fairly obvious that at least a decent percentage of the hash rate currently contained within the sphere of the public miners is relatively old. So I'm gonna categorize, by the way, relatively old as about an S19 100 to 104 terahash per second unit. If you've got something, if, if somebody owns something in that range, I would say, uh, or, or older, then that's going to be somewhat likely to be about the dividing line about what survives into the back half of the having, And there's still a lot of it out there. I, I do know of some material operations still running lots of S9s and lots of S17s, and certainly a lot of older S19s in that 80 to 100 terahash per second. Um, range. So if you do make an investment in a company, I would say, uh, make sure that you understand where they've put their money and how their hash rate is allocated, because that older equipment just is not going to be efficient enough to live into the post-halving environment, sub some massive run in the price. Now, a lot of these companies, interestingly, have, in my opinion, massively bloated SG&As. Uh, SG&A stands for Selling General and Administrative Expenses. It is for Bitcoin miners, typically the expense is not related to energy. So a lot of times you'll see people say, well, they'll they'll make an analogy and say, well, the the cost to mine a Bitcoin is... In direct proportion to the cost of electricity. Certainly, the cost of electricity is a major and majority component of the production of Bitcoin. But look at the financial statements of, for instance, these public miners, and what you'll see are companies, for instance, with revenues of, let's just say, 80 million and SG&A of 20 million or revenue of 100 million and SG&A of 33 million meaning 25 to 33% of revenue is going to expenses that are largely personnel because in in our world we don't have selling general and administrative we don't really have much selling that goes on in the bitcoin mining industry so most of this is overhead so um- so facilities charges um and and people costs, but most likely people costs so the the these mining companies, really, when you get down to it they they don't control much of the factors that will determine their success, at least not for right now there are Lots of, um, lots of factors, especially involving um, hash rate, fees, and price that are completely outside the control of the mining companies. So they do control their efficiency. And so, you know, that efficiency is where is your SGNA and and is your technology? That's really at the end of the day. And what's the cost of energy? I think that's your efficiency. And then you have these other factors, which primarily drive the top line, price, hash rate, and um, and fees, that really you don't control. You don't control where the world takes those things. I'd say if, if a company was in a position where they were highly, highly efficient, and this is kind of how we look at it, by the way, within my small organization, and say, well, we... We try to be world-class in those three things, our cost of energy, the overhead associated with the organization, and the efficiency of the technology that we have. Um, So we don't talk a lot about the specifics of our company, but I'll say that we have largely purged all of that old technology from our mining operations at this point, and we have Everything in our systems is like an S19J Pro Plus, 120 terahash a second or better um, efficiencies typically in the mid to low 20 joules per terahash. So um, I think that's kind of what it's going to take to be a survivor on the back half. But anyway, maybe we start to summarize a little bit. The, the the public mining companies are living on a razor's edge right now. Um, they have essentially zero margin for error. Uh, they're all currently in, in a lost position. And without a price recovery, that means they are eating into their cash reserves. Um, much of their attraction to date, I think they have... Fairly high market caps. Um, you know, when you when we look at the market caps of these companies, um, and I forgot to mention this earlier, the market caps of the public mining companies sit at about nine billion dollars. So they only compromise 25% of the market, meaning they're they they have nine billion dollar market caps. They have 25% of the world's revenue, meaning they have access to about $2.2 billion in revenue. So they're trading at 4X annual revenues as a group, and they're losing money. So in my mind, they're grossly overvalued right now, grossly. On top of it, they have a massive amount of risk ahead of them. Massive. Uh, their ability to perform and survive into the back half of the having is pretty, pretty precarious. And then, I believe those market caps are largely inflated because... They have been the only alternative for most people wanting to have an investment. This goes back in Bitcoin, um, meaning it's been serving as this proxy for Bitcoin for people who have to enter through public markets. Again, I give that example of qualified plans. Well, if a spot ETF gets approved, there suddenly becomes a much different. Alternative to make that same investment, and so I believe that the price of the stocks within this sector are greatly exposed. Now, again, probably they're, tr- they're trading at four x revenues. They're trading, um, and they're up a tremendous amount this year on still massive losses this year. They're approaching having that I think puts all of them in very precarious positions, and they have the threat of the SPOT ETF stealing the spotlight for them as an attractive investment. So in summary, um, I don't see it. I don't understand uh, the attraction of an investment, certainly within the sector, I will say I don't want to endorse anybody. I do think there is one company in that group that is pretty well positioned, even though they're currently losing money. I think they have a decent shot of being the big winner, at least within that sector of the public guys on the back half. The likely scenario, though, is a lot of losers, a lot of bankruptcies, a lot of fire sales, uh, and you know, I would I would stay away. Um, I certainly am going to stay away uh, personally. That doesn't mean, though, by the way, that investments in mining are bad. I, I represent the private side, and I would say, if you have an opportunity individually to buy some equipment and and run it at a good solid rate there is a phenomenal opportunity. There are private companies, mine included, I'm not the only one, I'm not here to just promote barefoot mining, um, that offer investments into new ventures that are highly efficient, great prices uh, uh, um, on equipment at with great energy rates and very low operating uh, overhead. Those investments are available and I think they're they're well positioned to win both pre and post the halving. But as I mentioned early in this podcast, sometimes being early creates a problem. And what I think we've seen are a lot of the public miners win public early. They made very large investments in equipment that is no longer paying off. They made assumptions about Bitcoin moving up the scale much more rapidly. And as a result, they put large amounts of overhead into their organization and they're now bloated. Sometimes a fresh start is the best thing. And I think we're in that position where what we're gonna find is that the mining sector on the back half of the halving is radically different, and it's primarily with companies that have been able to do investments in the 2022, or excuse me, in the 2023 time period in the middle of the bear market when the price of mining equipment was down, and we have all these new highly efficient machines coming into play. So if you have a if you have an investment in the public miners, um, it might be a good time for you to go take a look at it, see if that's really where you want your money. If you're looking at putting new money into the mining sector, I think that there are places for that to happen, but I would proceed with uh, extreme caution if you're thinking of putting that money into the private mining stocks. Thanks.